0: Sermon number six hundred and seventy seven, the second in the series Fruits of the Spirit, and this one is on kindness, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, Sunday, march tenth, nineteen seventy four, and the text is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter, the twelfth through the seventeenth verses. I certainly am grateful that the sermon title today is on the subject of kindness. For those of you who are desperately looking for the sixth chapter of Colossians, you understand what I mean. There is no sixth chapter in the book of Colossians. If there were, I'm sure it would read, be kind to your preacher who inadvertently put down in his notes and dictated to his secretary the long chapter title which appears in your bulletin. Instead, it should be the third chapter of Colossians, and that's found on page 186 in the back of the pew Bible. We begin at the twelfth verse of the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience. Forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's face it, it's not easy to be kind. It's not easy to be kind. For well, there are occasions in life when Kind words and kind deeds just seem to flow uncontrollably from our lives. Those occasions, I think, are rather few. I know they happen in the time of tragedy. Tragedy, that is, in someone else's life. Someone who is close, someone whom you love, someone for for whom you have great feeling. When you see that person go through tragedy, be it deserved or undeserved, it seems like automatically your heart opens, you express words of kindness, you, you try to do things that are kind. Sometimes they're not too sincere, but they're kind. <coughs> The other time i think when we find kindness as being somewhat natural is when we personally are experience a feeling of triumph you see the tragedy that we see in other people and the feeling of triumph we have in ourselves these seem to be about the only times when we find it naturally to be kind and when we are triumphant and We are the recipient of some gift, or we have earned something for which we have worked very hard, and suddenly it has come to us, and it's a glorious moment, and we seem to be able to think God is in his heaven and all is right with the world, and we are kind to everyone. You know the experience, but that kindness never seems to last, does it? Now, it's it's not easy to be kind. Now, Paul knew that. He knew what some of us think is very unkind to say, but nevertheless is true. And it is simply this, that man, a person by his nature, is not a very kindly person. Now, we don't like to hear that, and we think that a preacher is most unkind when he says it. But the truth remains, ladies and gentlemen, there isn't too much kindness that is naturally within us. Therefore, you see, Paul was right when he said that if we are going to be kind, we've got to put it on. And he doesn't mean it as a mimic would entertain or try to impersonate but he means that we have to do something extra we have to go to some special effort we have to put on something additionally if ever we are going to be kind and that's more than that from his other ideas you get from him the concept that no matter How hard you try to put on kindness or any one of the other fruits of the Spirit, you can't do it by yourself. You need help. You need God's help. Because, you see, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, which means that God's Spirit working in your spirit is the only thing that can produce the fruit of kindness. You can't do it on your own, neither can I. We have to have help. We have to have God's help. We have to have his Holy Spirit working in us with our spirits. If ever we are going to be people whose lives obviously are bearing the fruit of kindness. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us to become kind. I think that he helps us by helping us to remember who we are. Who we are. You see, and and you really can't know who you are unless you have some idea from whence you have come who you are now and where you are going. You see, an individual cannot know himself unless he faces facts and he sees himself as he truly was. A person cannot know himself unless he knows something about sin. I know some of you like to hear that because it gives you an excuse, but you really can't know anything about yourself until you see yourself as a sinner like everyone else who has fallen short of the glory of God. You you can't really know yourself until you realize that because of selfishness and self-centeredness, you are an easy target for the tempter who is always crouching at the doors and the avenues of life. You really can't know yourself until you realize that the wages of sin is death and that sin is not cheap and that it's going to be costly if ever you are to become the person that God would have you to become. You have to remember this, you see, if you're ever going to know who you are, and you must also know that that price of sin has been paid, been paid by Jesus Christ, that though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that our lives have been bought for a price. The death of Jesus Christ. Unless, Unless you understand that, you really don't know who you are. And unless you see yourself as an individual who is placed on this earth, blessed to be a blessing, and you realize that the only thing that you owe one another is forgiveness, you really don't know who you are. And unless you are willing to give up your forgiveness, as did the chief character in that parable that Jesus taught about the unmerciful servant, who lost his forgiveness because he forgot how to forgive. Then we really don't know who we are. But you see, as being as human beings, we are individuals who have poor memories. No one needs to know or to be told how poor our memories are. We know it. And it is only by the Spirit of God in His Holiness working in us That we are continuously reminded of who we are. And when through the written word, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and helps you to identify with the sinner. When through the preached word, which you are hearing this very moment, and suddenly, though you may not like it, you realize, He's speaking to me. That's the Holy Spirit. Unless through the shared word of the sacrament you realize that that body has been broken for you, that blood has been shed for you, is it you do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit working in us that convicts us of our sin and brings to our remembrance all things that Christ has said unto us and enables us so we may not like to remember where we have come from and to know what we are to be doing now, forgiving one another. There can be no kindness expressed by you unless there is some forgiveness known by you. And it is God's Holy Spirit, His presence working in the world and in your life and in mine, which this very minute helps us to know individually who we are. Praise God for this third person of His Trinity, His presence and His power that is convicting and converting. For without that, we wouldn't know who we are. And if we don't know who we are, the fruit of kindness will never be a part of our lives. He helps us in another way to produce this fruit of kindness. He does so by giving unto us the courage to test the power of kindness. He gives us the courage To trust the power of kindness, because you see, ladies and gentlemen, we are not very trusting people by nature, and most of us do not want to trust the power of kindness. We're afraid to be too kind. Did you ever catch yourself saying, well, you know, I better not say too many kind words to that person. He may get a swell head. Well, let's let's not be too kind to that person. He he may misinterpret it and it may come back to haunt us. Kindness costs. (coughs) Kindness can be a risk and it can come back and bite you. It's difficult to trust in kindness. It makes us vulnerable. (laughs) And it's may not do what we hope that it will do. But nevertheless, we really don't know, do we, Till we trust it. And that's the great thing about Jesus Christ. He was not afraid to trust the power of kindness in the lives of people who are not very kind. Look at little shorty Zacchaeus. That man who in the spring day climbed the sycamore tree down there in Jericho. Jesus, you know, could have come upon that little man who had an inferiority complex. And he could have very easily looked up into the tree and said, hey, shorty, what's the idea of robbing your neighbor? What do you mean by casting widows and orphans out into the street? You're a horrible man, Zacchaeus. You don't deserve the damnation of hell. He could have said that. You know, you know, Jesus was not just meek and mild. He had a godly inspired temper. He could condemn. Look at some of the words that he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was a man who could be very stern, but he was always kind. And he called only the powers of evil those horrible names. But as long as he saw someone who had the capability of being one for God, he never spoke such words. You realize that if he would have said some of the things that I just said concerning Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus today would not be the hero of every Sunday school student. But he is the hero, and the reason he is the hero is because Jesus trusted the power of kindness. He looked up into that man. He saw him as one who could be one for God. And he just said in very kind tones, Zacchaeus, come down. And he invited himself to the home of Zacchaeus to eat and to visit. And that kindness warmed the hard-hearted heart of Zacchaeus, and he became a new man, a new man who knew what it was to express kindness. Do you remember the fable about the wind and the sun, the big debate they had as to which one had the power to first require a man to remove his coat? Then said, Let me go first, and it blew, and it raged, and it stormed, and the harder it worked, the more the man wrapped the cloak around himself to keep him warm. And when the wind could not do it, it came the time of the sun to have his opportunity, and he merely shone warmly and brightly and continuously until the rays of his sun beating upon the back of the man were so warm but the man soon had to take off his own coat. Why don't we learn a lesson from the sun? Not only the Son of the sky, but the Son of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us that more is gained with honey than it is with vinegar that you can do more with love than you can with hate but what do we do we get upset we get angry we blow like the storm we yell we shout we think that we have the right we call it righteous indignation to take a stand and to call every person whom we do not with whom we do not agree and with whom we have some feelings of hate every name in the book casting doubt upon their heritage and upon their personalities. Or if only in those moments at the office. In those trying moments at the home, when the doorbells ring, the telephones ring, the babies crying and the soup is boiling. Or in those moments when we're caught in a traffic jam at Etna. Or Oh, if only we had the courage to try the power of kindness. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. But when you're ready to blow and the storm is brewing, And you are willing to bring out those words which maybe you haven't used since the last time you were unkind and suddenly the power the presence of an awareness that you are meant to be kind hit you that's the power of the holy spirit ladies and gentlemen and when you trust that power you'd be surprised how so often we do begin to believe in the power of kindness. And what is more important, we believe in the power of the Spirit of God as it works in our kindness. And you know, what we cannot do with force and with volume, we can do with kindness. Instead of acting like kings, if we could only be more kind, you know, we might find people becoming more kind as well. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It enables us to know who we are. It enables us to have the courage and the insight to trust the power of kindness. And as Paul says in writing to the church at Colossae, unless you are forgiving, and unless you bind everything with love, and unless you allow the peace of Christ to rule in your heart, you can't put on that particular value called kindness. You can't produce it in your life. It's only when you do these things and also... Have the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know, when Jesus promised to the disciples up there in the upper room about his Holy Spirit coming, he said, I'm going to send to you a holy comforter. He'll come. He'll come in my name. He'll teach you all things. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. He then, according to John, says this unto his disciples, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He gave to his disciples, and he has given to you and to me the peace of Christ. Now, I'm not quite sure what all that means, and it would take a whole series of sermons to even give us a slight idea of what it means. But what it does mean is that peace that passeth all understanding, which enables us somehow to know, even though we do not understand it, nor could we explain it, that God is in the world reconciling himself with man, for God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world, and that we are one again with God, and that we are at one, atonement with God. Now, this is what it means. And we have that. We have that because God, through Jesus Christ, has given it to us. The peace of Christ is with you. But Paul says that that peace of Christ must rule in your hearts, if ever you're going to be able to put on these particular things that make for the fruit of the Spirit. You've got, you see, to put the peace of Christ first. And you don't want to do that. And you can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit doing it for you when you ask him to do so. But he will. He can You can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things shall be added unto you, but you can do it only as God's Holy Spirit gives you the power to do it. Jesus said, He did not choose me, but I chose you, and I chose you and appointed you that you might bring forth much fruit, and that your fruit might abide. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abideth in the vine, nor, nor can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, the same shall bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can't do it So you see, it is in allowing the word of God, the peace of Christ, the presence of his Holy Spirit to rule in our lives, that we bring forth fruit. The Holy Spirit is here, ladies and gentlemen. He's working. I have seen him work in this church and in my life and in some of your lives more in the last year, two years than I have in any other time of my life. He's calling. He's prompting. He's disturbing some of you. And he wants you to allow him to help you to put on those particular things that will enable you to become a person who is kind. Let him do it. Let him do it. Amen. Our father and our God, please help us. Please Help us, O Holy Spirit, in spite of ourselves, to put on those things that make life worth living, not only for ourselves, but for the whole great, big, wonderful world as well. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore.